Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very, very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you, as we are so blessed every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 o'clock here on these domestic church media radio stations. Also on all of our audio uh, platforms that we use here, our streaming audio from our homepage, our wonderful free Domestic Church Media mobile app, where you can listen right on the app, and our uh, also if you have access to either the Amazon Echo or Google Home speaker devices, all you have to do is say "Play Domestic Church Media." We'll stream live there as well. And if you like to watch, you can watch our video stream on our YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash Domestic Church Media. Also on our Facebook page, live streaming video there, facebook.com slash Domestic Church Media, and also streaming live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. So all kinds of ways to listen and watch, and the good Lord allows us through all of those various media platforms to go out into the whole world to certainly heed our Lord's great commission before he ascended into heaven to do just that. And so we're so honored to be able to do that. So I'm happy you're here, wherever you're listening, watching from. Uh, welcome. And uh, today, Wednesday, uh, as he does most Wednesdays, our Holy Father gave his general audience in Rome. And today he talked about the Sacred Heart, which is the feast, uh, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart is this coming Friday. So Holy Father talked about that. And then I was just kind of poking around earlier today on various things, and I found a research, Pew Research Center uh, recently did a study, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, I guess it was done in May, just about a little less than a month ago, May 27th, um, regarding millennials and as they approach their 40th birthday— I guess some of them are getting close to that now, uh, how they approach family life and how it differs from the previous generations. Uh, I find it a very disturbing trend, actually, uh, just to kind of share some of those results with you. And then given that, I was brought to remember a beautiful quote by St. Pope John Paul II that as the family goes, so goes society and the nation and the world. Um, and then his beautiful apostolic exhortation from 1981, uh, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. I thought as we approach Father's Day uh, on Sunday uh, to share some of Holy Father St. Pope John Paul II's words from that beautiful document. It's one of the first um, papal documents I ever read. I think it was the second one I ever read, actually. That really inspired me because when I read it, 
uh, back in, I think, 1993 or 4, uh, maybe even a little earlier than that, um, our children were very little. We just began, had begun our family and uh, to raise them. And I, it was so important for me to read uh, this magnificent document. And if you haven't read it, you really should. It's on the Vatican website. It's easy to access if you go to Vatican www.vatican.va and look under John Paul's page. It's the Apostolic Exhortation from 1981, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. And it's a great document about family and the importance of family and the, the, the basic cell of society, you know. And I think out of all the trouble we see in today's world, it can be traced down to the breakdown of the family. I, I really believe that. We'll talk more about that. Let's pray first. Um, and as always, my brothers and sisters, I invite you again, wherever you are listening or watching, uh, to join me and all of our radio family in prayer. Coming to you from uh, the—I'm um, sorry, I, just, I saw my computer in front. One of one of the many computers in front of me was flashing a a a, a signal there, and I had to take care of it. Otherwise, <laughs> it might go off the air. Um, Anyway, so we're going to pray, and uh, as we do every day at this time, and I invite you to join me and all of our brothers and sisters from across our very wide global listening and viewing areas uh, to pray with and for each other for those special needs, special intentions that you have. So let's bring them to the Lord right now. I guess we're remembering a, a, a few very special intentions. We, as always, we pray each day for our dear young friend Maria, uh, who is in the hospital, but... Um, the Lord is is doing something, and we know He is. So we're just riding the wave of this miracle that we all believe is happening, and I'll just keep you posted on that, um, with with great hope and confidence in the Lord that this is His will. So we'll keep praying for that intention. I mentioned to you yesterday, ask you please to pray for this intention as well. Um, that uh, when we had that direct go storm two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago today. It was June 3rd. Um, we had a major hit on our AM transmitter here at 1260 AM in, in the uh, Trenton area, Our uh, really our, our largest AM, obviously, and, and uh, kind of our flagship station that is currently flying on a single engine here. So Anyway, uh, the story is that the part that was destroyed cannot be replaced because it's too old of a transmitter, so it means we have to get a new one. Uh, and a new one uh, is around $38,000, including installation and everything and other things that have to be done. So I'm just casting the net out there and letting people whose hearts are open to the Lord's prompting, who uh, have the capacity to do something, uh, to do it help us. We, you know, one have, we have to keep this radio station on the air, obviously, so uh, we need that transmitter. So just here it is. We'll toss it off to you, whoever is listening or watching who can do this, and I know there are many who can. Um, so we'll keep those prayers in our intentions and just pray for the world, pray for peace, pray for uh, charity, pray for our president um, and other elected officials who make important decisions regarding this country and the world, uh, that their, their, their decisions are based, whether they know it or not, uh, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, because we're in a very precarious place right now, I think, and a lot of people are, are worried. But Jesus said, don't worry. You know, we're not to worry. 
I know it can be a little little dis, dis, disturbing. Uh, we look around and see the way things are going, and uh, just the division and and the hatred and the, all the things that are people are saying about each other. And um, just got to pray for 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 unity and peace. And of course, this pandemic that's still you know out there, and uh, our own area here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, two of the the uh, <laughs> you know. States that are still uh, under uh, pretty much of a lockdown. Things are opening up a bit now, but um, you know we're we're out of all the states. I think in in the nation, we in New York and and uh, are just finding ourselves. I think people are just starting to get really. I don't want to call it cabin fever, but it's uh, people just getting very very upset about the situation. So we'll pray to our Blessed Mother, Holy Father, gave us a beautiful prayer. Uh, for this intention. So we'll start with this prayer. And I invite you now, my friends, to join me and all of our family gathered here as we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God, in this present tragic situation when the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety. We fly to you, Mother of God and our Mother, and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes toward us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died, and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones and who are sick and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son, as you did at Cana, so that families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect those doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and volunteers who are on the front lines of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin, illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders that, with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by farsightedness and solidarity. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that, in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need. Make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. And our, my friends will pray our prayers to St. Michael <clears throat> and also the beautiful uh, Subtum Presidium prayer. 
to our Blessed Mother, Holy Father, asks us to pray these prayers every day to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, as always, my friends, I thank you for praying along with us. And, uh, you know, you never know who's out there praying with you. As I said, now with all the technology that we use, uh, sending this signal out, to the four corners of the world, and uh, we know we have listeners in other parts of the country and, and viewers and also listeners and viewers in other parts of the world. Uh, you know, I look at our stats for our domestic church media app, which is free to download, and is just a plethora of information. Um, I see it's been downloaded in every continent except Antarctica. So I guess we have to up our marketing in Antarctica so people will become aware of it. But every other continent has had at least one download. But I think it's over been over 1,100 downloads um, worldwide. Uh, so people all over the place downloading our free mobile app. And I do hope that you have it if you don't have it already because uh, it's not just domestic church media information. Of course, it has all of everything you need about us, including uh, the Listen Live option and the, the YouTube channel is on there. You can watch. We come to you live as I am right now. You can watch the program right on your mobile device. But also, so many other things you can you can do. It has the entire catechism, the entire Bible. It has the daily Mass readings every day, uh, seven days a week, the readings of the day. It has morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. It has uh, a good, uh, rock-solid, uh, authentic Catholic periodicals like the National Catholic Register, um, uh, Lo de Romano, which is the official uh, newspaper of the Vatican, all this. It's all right there in one app. Uh, so you don't really have to have all these multiple apps to get different types of information. Um, those of you who are still uh, watching the streamed masses uh, when you go to mass, either during the week or uh, on weekends, um, which is what I do here, I come over to the radio station and I sit in our chapel and I light our candles on the altar and I play um, the EWTN Mass uh, that we broadcast at noon on Sundays. And then I, I go to my domestic church media app, and right there are the readings of the deck, and follow along as a liturgical aid. Uh, the order of the Mass is there with the prayers that we pray during Mass. If you need that, it's there. Uh, and it's all free. So if you haven't gotten it, and I certainly encourage you to get it, go to your app store and search for domestic church media, and then download the free mobile app. It doesn't cost you a cent. We pick up the bill. It costs us a monthly fee to be able to provide it to you for free. But we felt it was well worth um, that expenditure uh, so that you could have it, and as many people could have it for free. Uh, so, you know, this is something, with, like when you donate to domestic church media, when you support us here, that's one of the things, you know, you're helping us to do, to provide the free mobile app to as many people as possible. 
in addition to so many other things. And again, my friends, I'll throw it out one more time before I get to the Holy Father's uh, teaching from today over in Rome for his general audience. Uh, we, we, are, we have to buy, it's not even questionable anymore, we have to buy a new AM transmitter for 1260, our flagship station here in uh, the Trenton area, which covers such a wide area in this part of New Jersey, south of here, north of here, uh, over into Bucks County, Montgomery County, northeast Philadelphia. Um, we need this transmitter, and because the storm two weeks ago basically destroyed uh, parts of it that cannot be replaced because it's such an old transmitter. So we have to buy a new one, which is going to cost at least $38,000 uh, right now. That's the estimate. Um, so I just throw it out there, and I say to people, you know, maybe you've never, ever donated. Maybe you never, ever will again. But if you have the capacity to make a one-time legacy gift toward this transmitter, it's something that will keep giving. It really will when you think about it. These transmitters last 30, 30 35, 40 years sometimes. A lot longer than I'm going to be here. So, <laughs> But hopefully domestic church media will still be here broadcasting the gospel. So your gift will keep on giving and allow the, the broadcast 24-7 uh, of the gospel message and the teaching of our Catholic Church because you stepped out in faith and made that donation of $38,000 toward this transmitter. And it would be, I tell you what, <laughs> the Lord will reward you a hundredfold. You see, you wait and see. So anyway, if you're interested in helping us that way, I'm just throwing it out there. Duke and Altum, put out into the deep. That's been uh, what I've been doing, my my M.O., as they say, for as long as I've been running this apostolate. And uh, the Lord always comes through because you come through for us. Okay, over in Rome this morning, Holy Father, in the library of the Apostolic Palace, I had the great uh, joy uh, one time, actually twice when I was over in Rome, to go into the Apostolic Palace, which is right off of St. Peter's Square, uh, the bronze doors. You go through the bronze doors and up this massive stairway, and then you're in the palace. Um, but in the library today, Holy Father, as he does almost every Wednesday, gives his gave his general audience. Normally, uh, you know, he gives it from uh, when he's in St. Peter's Square, but the, the square is not filled these days, obviously. Uh, the basilica is open, but there are not large gatherings in the square as uh, there had been in the past, and hopefully one day that'll all come back. Oh, we pl please, God, please soon. But anyway, today, uh, Holy Father, you know, his uh, his catechesis during these most recent general audiences have been on prayer. And since this coming Friday, the, uh, the day after tomorrow, is the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Holy Father uh, gave a teaching today on that solemnity. He said... Um, encouraged Catholics to discover the riches of charity hidden in the heart of Jesus. Pope Francis said this morning, Friday, we will celebrate the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Do not be afraid to present to him all the intentions of our suffering and humanity, its fears, its miseries. May the, this heart, full of love for men, give everyone hope and trust. I, I, and you know, as I'm reading these words, and I'm thinking of all the prayers that we pray on a regular basis 
you know, and Bruce was here Monday for his program and all the heartfelt prayers of people who's sharing with us and asking for prayer for their own or for others, uh, the intentions uh, uh, that they had uh, of, of suffering, um, of the fears and the miseries that people are experiencing. And I, and I, you know, we pray here every day. We pray for our, our, our young friend Maria every day in a special way. And Holy Father saying, don't be afraid to take those intentions now as we approach the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Don't be afraid to present to our Lord these intentions and that his heart, his, his most sacred heart, which is so full of love for us, to give us hope and trust in him. Holy Father said, I invite you to discover the riches that are hidden in the heart of Jesus, to learn to love your neighbor. And, you know, in these days of such horrible division in our, in our country, in the world, especially now in our country, we see such horrible division. We have to understand and believe and know that Christ called us to love our neighbor, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. No one asked what, what's the greatest commandment, to love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, our mind, our, our being, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So Holy Father today was, again, teaching us that we can, in the heart of Jesus, discover these great riches and that this will help us learn to love our neighbor. Um, he said that the saints serve as bridges between God and his people through their prayers of intercession. And he pointed to the life of Moses as an exemplary biblical model of intercessory prayer. The Holy Father said that Moses belonged among those who are poor in spirit, who live by making trust in God, the viaticum of their journey. And, you know, if we can identify, I think, I'm sure we all can identify with this uh, many times throughout our life. To have been poor in spirit and probably are right now, but who live by making our trust in God, the viaticum, the, the food for the journey to our Father's house eventually. And Holy Father said, Moses urges us to pray with the same ardor of Jesus, to intercede for the world, to remember that despite all of its frailties, it always belongs to God. And every morning at breakfast, I try to pray. I have a beautiful little, uh, little booklet uh, to St. Joseph there at my breakfast table place where I have my breakfast every morning. And it's a prayer of a father for his family. And it gives me great comfort to be able to start my day that way before I take my first bite of food, my first bite of nourishment for the day to bring my family to the Lord and ask the Lord to protect them, both physically and spiritually. And I think, you know, as, as I get older anyway, and I'm thinking probably many of you have experienced this, that I can see why, you know, as we get closer to that transition from this life into the next, you know, Bishop O'Connell gave a beautiful homage. I don't know if you heard uh, his uh, mass uh, of requiem today. Um, 
praying for all the victims here in our area who have passed as a result of or indirectly of the coronavirus. It's kind of a requiem mass. That that's not the end, you know. Death is not the end. Death is really the beginning. So as I, every morning I pray this prayer, a father's prayer for his family, and I just, through the intercession of St. Joseph, but praying to our Lord and praying for the spiritual and, and physical well-being of my family, that you can see how as you get closer to the transition into the next life, how you could really spend an eternity just being a great intercessor. <laughs> I mean, you could, what a great thing that is to, to go, to see God as he truly is, to go before the Lord's throne and pray for all these intentions that people ask to pray for, this is what the saints do for us. Um, Holy Father, again, talking about Moses, uh, Scripture usually depicts him with his hands outstretched toward God, as if to form a bridge between heaven and earth with his own person. Even in the most difficult moments, the Holy Father said, even on the day when the people repudiate God and him as a guide and make themselves a golden calf, Moses does not feel like putting his people aside. The Holy Father explained that Moses prayed for others, not only for himself, and thus became the great intercessor of God's people. And then he said, Holy Father said, we too must realize that we are never before God only as individuals, but also as members of the church and children of the one human family. This should also become visible in the way we pray for one another. And it's such an important part of, should be an important part of our prayer life to know that it's not just this personal thing, that we have the opportunity every day when we go before God in prayer, that we're not there just as an individual, but as members of the church, as children of, of, of the Father in this one beautiful family that God has put us in, our human family. And Holy Father said, entrusted by God to transmit the law to his people, founder of divine worship, mediator of the highest mysteries, he will not for this reason cease to maintain close bonds of solidarity with his people, especially in the hour of temptation and sin. He was always attached to his people. Mo Moses never forgets his people, the Holy Father said. And then he said that Moses provides a beautiful example for all pastors, saying that Moses does not sell out his people to advance his career. He does not climb the ladder. He is an intercessor. And Holy Father said the greatness of pastors is to be close to their people and not to forget their roots. Pastors are the bridges between the people to whom they belong and God to whom they belong by vocation. That is why they are called pontifex, bridges. And today, too, Holy Father said, Jesus is the pontifex. He is the bridge between us and the Father. And Jesus intercedes for us. <clears throat> he shows the Father the wounds that are the price of our salvation, and he intercedes. And again, we must never be afraid. As Holy Father started his teaching today, he said just that. He said, don't ever be afraid to go to Jesus, to present to him all the intentions of our suffering humanity, its fears, its miseries. You know, I share with you often a lot of different stories about my, my work here at the Apostolate over the course of all these years now, so many years. My goodness, it's been a long time. And I can often remember, more so in the beginning, obviously, 
when we were really struggling just to get this thing going. It wasn't easy. And the Lord gave us enormous grace and persistence in prayer, but also in that great trust and hope in him that we believe, because we were obviously in constant prayer, under uh, spiritual direction, and just forging forward, knowing that this had to be because it was God's will. Mother Angelica was our great inspiration. You know, we used to see ourselves as a little microcosm of EWTN. I think every every radio apostolate throughout the country, if you talk to the those who have, you know, gone on this uh, uh, Catholic radio journey and, and starting apostolates and getting radio stations, we all say the same thing. We're like little microcosms. Mother tells the great stories of how she just trusted in the Lord. When Mother needed um, $600,000 to pay for her TV equipment that she ordered on trust— <laughs> She got it. And I, I was told last night by one of our board members, you know, this is kind of a Mother Angelica moment regarding our transmitter. We need $38,000 to get a transmitter. I'm giving it to Jesus. I'm throwing it out to you. And trust, you know, to not be afraid to go before the Lord in, as an intercessor on our behalf and to, to bring to him all of, our, all of our fears, all of our sufferings, all of our miseries, and that his heart which has such great love for each and every single one of us, will give us that hope and trust to believe. You know, and, and, and we, we learn along the way to trust because we know that with God all things are possible. He loves to, uh, if it be according to his holy will and compliant with his will, to, to do what has to be done uh, for us as we come to him in prayer. So whatever, as we get now close to the sacred, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, the Solemnity of the Sacred Heart on Friday, Holy Father today reminded us what a beautiful solemnity this is, that we mustn't be afraid to go to that, that most sacred heart of Jesus and give him all that we, we, we are, uh, bring him our, our, our intentions, our miseries, our fears, and learn from him, who is meek and humble of heart, to trust and to hope in the Lord. Okay, I'll take a break. I'm going to come back. And then uh, Familiaris Consortio on the family, John Paul II. A couple things out of there, but a very interesting survey on millennials as it regards family. Stay where you are. There's more to come on Come to Me. Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul's Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. 
And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that. Because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media? P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. Or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Peace be to you. What is prayer? Well, the best definition of prayer is that it is a lifting of the mind and the heart to God. To make it more simple, prayer is a dialogue. Man breaks silence in two ways. A dialogue with his fellow man and a dialogue with God. My dialogue with a fellow man is a proof that he is a person, and so am I. The same is implied in a dialogue with God. And both of these dialogues are fulfilled in the two commandments, love God and love neighbor. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Fallsington to Fort Monmouth. Little Silver to Lower Makefield. Rumson to Roebling. Washington Crossing to West Long Branch. Eatontown to Englishtown. Domestic Church Catholic Radio, proclaiming Jesus Christ in the new springtime of the church. Hey, welcome back. Happy to have you here on this June 17th, 2020. I hope you're having a blessed day and thanking you for taking some time out of your day and out of the busyness of your day to share this time with me and all of our family gathered here. Um, I just want to go over a couple things with you, um, kind of leading up to the Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II's Beautiful 1981 apostolic exhortation. So it's almost 30 years ago. I can't believe it. Uh, on the family, which kind of what led me to this was a survey that I saw done uh, by the Pew Research Center. The end of last month, May 27th, they released it. 
uh, regarding millennials and how they approach family life. And, you know, John Paul II, when he was our Holy Father, said as one of his most famous quotes, as the family goes, so goes society. And I think that, I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves that we've, as we see a breakdown in the family, even how people define family these days, unfortunately, um, how they, the Supreme Court tried to redefine marriage. They think they did, but they didn't redefine marriage. You can't redefine marriage uh, when they allowed people of the same sex to, quote-unquote, get married. That's impossible. Can't happen. You may, you know, have a, a ceremony that you call it marriage, but it's not marriage. Marriage is a union between one man and one woman. That's the definition of marriage. You can't redefine that. But as the family has been breaking down over the past generations, we're going to see a trend. And it's a trend that I found very disturbing because um, these millennials, <laughs> and we don't want to pick, just pick on the millennials, but uh, they're in the, old, the oldest millennials now are reaching 40 years old. I think 39 is, is the age they're at right now, the oldest millennials. Um, and uh, they're reaching 40. And the Pew Research Center did a survey to see how they, ref um, how they approach family life. And one of the things they found out was that more than 4 in 10 millennials, about 45% of those surveyed, 23 to 38-year-old millennials, that's the generation, right now they're between 23 and 38 years old, more than 4 in 10 do not live with a family of their own. 55% are in a family. Now, uh, a person uh, is considered to be in a family, they said, if they reside with one spouse, uh, their own child, including those who are biological, adopted, etc. Um, adults who uh, have a um, spouse that is currently living apart from them, um, but from whom they are not legally uh, separated are considered to be living with that spouse. So basically the family structure. So of the 23 to 38-year-old millennials that they surveyed, they found that 45% of them are not in that situation. 55% are. Now, at the same age, you know, they found that Generation Xers which is the generation between the baby boomers and the millennials, at the same age, 66% were living in a regular family structure. So 55% for the millennials, 66% for the generation Xers. At the same age, uh, baby boomers, 69% were living in a structured family uh, situation. And I, I wasn't aware of this, but the the generation between the greatest generation and baby boomers, I, I, there's a name for them. I didn't know that, but it's called the silent generation. Did you know that? Uh, the silent generation. Those are those the generation between the baby the, between the greatest generation, the World War II crowd, <laughs> and we, the baby boomers, their offspring. But the the generation in between that are known as the silent generation, and at the same age. 
um, they found that 85% of them were in a regular family structure. So you see the decreasing numbers of individuals living within what is considered to be a regular family situation. Breaking down um, from 85% for the silent generation to 55% to the millennials. And it was on a, a, a decline there uh, for the from the silent generation to the millennials. They didn't have the, the second, the, the greatest generation. I'd like to see what they, they, they were. I'm sure they were even better uh, there. Um, three in 10 millennials live with a spouse and their own child, which is well below the share for previous generations at a, a comparable age. So um, if you look at the, the, uh, the silent generation, and that's the generation between um, the greatest generation and baby boomers, 70% at the same age as the surveyed millennials, 70% of them lived with a spouse and child compared to 30% of millennials. And again, it, it decreases and went down from baby boomers was, was 46%. The uh, Generation X was 40% and baby boomers 30%. So it keeps decreasing. Um, and that being said, we, we get to the Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, who, and I don't know the year of the quote, but one of his most famous quotes saying that as the family goes, so goes society, the rest of the world. There was a video, and I wish I was looking for it, I couldn't find it, but I remember one time seeing a video of John Paul II when he was our Holy Father, and he was giving a speech or a homily somewhere, an outdoor crowd, and he was shaking his fist. He said, the family is being shaken to its roots and so that was during his pontificate, probably in the 80s, 30 years ago. And in 1981, almost 30 years ago, he wrote this beautiful apostolic exhortation, Familiaris Consortium. And I think, my friends, we have to be honest that if we look at family as intended by God, I mean, you know, forget about what the Supreme Court says or what... Uh, the political pundits say, or or what you know, any any given group says, what God says is that marriage is a permanent union between one man and one woman. It's been that way for ages. I don't know why we think all of a sudden, in our enlightened third third millennium way of thinking that we could redefine that or that it was wrong. And this isn't to, you know, when, when you say things like this, people right away start telling you you're, you're homophobic, you're this, you're that, and it's not, it's not true. We just call it as it is. We're called to love all people, regardless of their sexuality or gender or, 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 or race or creed. We love, we're all members of the same family of God. 
So this is not casting disparaging remarks on any group of people or any, but we have to call it as it is. From, from the beginning, God created man and woman. <laughs> created them that way for a purpose. They're made differently, and they're made differently for a reason. That in the conjugal union, they will, in cooperation with God, bring forth a new life to continue the species. God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, this is just, this is the way it is. You can't change that. So when Holy Father St. Pope John Paul II, during his pontificate in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, said the family is being shaken to its roots, and this is over 30 years ago. Think of what we've become today. Could anyone even have imagined in 1981, when Familiaris Consortio, the Holy Father's apostolic exhortation on the family, came out, could anyone have imagined that we would be living through times that we live in right now regarding family, marriage, sex, you know, LGBTQ+, plus now. There's a plus at the end of that because you can't keep going through all these letters, I guess. I don't know what that means. But Scripture says God created man and woman, male and female. He created them. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, we, you know, you say that today. I'm saying it now. Who knows? You know, people are going to be offended. But you, know, you, 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 you can't be. You can't. If you're offended by truth, then you need to understand what that truth is better. But Holy Father, in this beautiful document, Familiaris Consortio, gave a I can't read the whole, obviously, the, the whole exhortation. But there is a section there where Holy Father, it's paragraph or section number 25, where he addressed and, and wrote about men as husbands and fathers. And I think we, if you want to pinpoint major breakdown, not the only, but major breakdown, it's the absence of men in families. It's the absence of husbands. It's the absence of fathers, especially. And as we approach Father's Day on Sunday, I thought it would be nice to read some of this from the Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II. He said, within the conjugal and family communion community, the man is called upon to live his gift and role as husband and father. In his wife, he sees the fulfillment of God's intention. Then he quotes from Genesis, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And he makes his own the cry of Adam, the first husband. This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That, to me, I think I was sure, if you watched the episode when Cheryl and I were on with Jim and Joy a few months ago, and I've said this before, but I think that every couple, every man and woman, whether it be at one point during their courtship or their dating, whatever you want to call it, they're keeping company, as my mom used to say, you reach a point where you look at the other person and you say those words, this one at last. You know, you search your life, those who have 
been called into the vocation of, of marriage, as most people are. And those who are called into other religious life, priesthood, that you still say, this one at last, this is it. This is what God wants of me. And so Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, said that we all make the cry of Adam our own as men and husbands. And Holy Father said, and again, this is John Paul II, authentic conjugal love presupposes and requires that a man have a profound respect for the equal dignity of his wife. St. Ambrose said, you are not her master, but her husband. She was not given to you to be your slave, but your wife. Reciprocate her attentiveness to you and be grateful to her for her love. With his wife, a man should live a very special form of personal friendship. And Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II wrote, As for the Christian, he is called upon to develop a new attitude of love, manifesting towards his wife a charity that is both gentle and strong, like that with which Christ has for the Church. We were FaceTiming last night. Oh, boy, do we miss holding our babies, our grandchildren. <laughs> Not our babies, our grandchildren. And we were FaceTiming last night with Charlotte, you know, our little Charlotte. She's three and a half now. And um, our son, Joseph, her dad, and her beautiful mom, Tori, who is uh, now, in, I guess, entering into her third trimester soon. She's due in October um, with grandchild number three. Um, but anyway, so we were, we were, Cheryl and I were interacting with Charlotte on the FaceTime thing, the, the, the computer and, uh, Joseph, our son, her dad, her daddy was there with her. And it was just so neat to see, cause you know, little girls, they, in, in the, in, in those relationships with their fathers that you just see that the love they, and vice versa, but just out of nowhere, Charlotte would just grab, you know, her daddy and just hold him and kind of hold his face and. And it's so great to see because you know, and I've shared this with Joseph, and he knows he's a father of two already, and especially with a little girl, and I have a daughter, that you you, you know you love all your children equally, but the relationship is 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 different, and how you interact with with each, I think, eventually, and you can see it when you have a little girl and, and a daughter that you have this this as a father this enormous responsibility uh, to set the bar. Basically, and my daughter has told me this. <laughs> I don't know if she's. She tells me that I. I kind of you know it's tough when she was in, in when she gets into a dating situation with someone. That the uh, the bar has been set by me, and she <laughs> they have to match up if they can, and be tough, right? But you know we see our role as 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 fathers with both our daughters and our son, and 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 our role as husband with our wives, Holy Father. Pointing this out, you know, and and that as a Christian father, as a Christian husband, we're called to develop this attitude of this new attitude of love, really, manifesting our wife uh, toward our wife, a charity that is both gentle and strong. And Holy Father John Paul said, like that which is Christ, which Christ has for His Church. Um, John Paul wrote. Love for his wife as mother of their children and love for the children themselves are for the man the natural way of understanding and fulfilling his own fatherhood. 
You know what I find so beautiful, and this is why St. John Paul is a, po- is a, is a saint, because <laughs> he himself obviously didn't have biological children or a wife, obviously, but he so well understands the role because it's the basic teaching of the church. It's, these aren't just the thoughts of, of a man. These are, the, these are the teachings of the church through the Vicar of Christ in 1981 in this beautiful document. Above all, John Paul wrote, where social and cultural conditions so easily encourage a father to be less concerned with his family, or at any rate less involved in the work of education, efforts must be made to restore socially the conviction that the place and task of the father in and for the family is of unique and irreplaceable importance. As experience teaches, the absence of a father causes psychological and moral imbalance and notable difficulties in family relationships, as does, in contrary circumstances, the oppressive presence of a father, especially where there still prevails the phenomena of machismo, or a wrong superiority of male prerogatives which humiliates women and inhibits the development of healthy family relationships. So there's that gentle balance. But the importance of the presence of a father and a husband in a family. And, you know, as Holy Father John Paul writes, that, you know, experience shows us the absence of a father does cause, can cause, psychological and moral, uh, moral imbalance and notable difficulties in families. In, you know, it's just a, it's just a fact. Not in every single case, because in some cases there's enormous grace poured upon that situation, because we know there are situations that are unavoidable there uh, in the absence of a father. But, you know, when you look at the breakdown of the family today in society and all the ills that we have in our world and, and individuals who are um, in situations that can be traced back, I'm sure, in most cases, not all, but in most. And Holy Father John Paul wrote, in revealing and in having on earth the very fatherhood of God, a man is called upon to ensure the harmonious and united development of all the members of the family. He will perform this task by exercising generous responsibility for the life conceived under the heart of the mother, by a more solicitous commitment to education, a task he shares with his wife by work, which is never a cause of division in the family, but promotes its unity and stability, and by means of the witness he gives of an adult Christian life, which effectively introduces the children into the living experience of Christ and the church. And these, these are not optional. <laughs> you know, these are, these are uh, required but the strong presence of a father. And again, not an oppressiveness, but a strong witness to the faith, a strong witness in their, I know there was a quote once, I'm sure most of you have heard the quote, that you know the greatest gift a man can give to his children is to love their mother. And it's so true. You know, your children grow up seeing that relationship and seeing the, the, the you know, the, the love that exists that really brought them about. But we see that breakdown and we're seeing it happen and, and you you know, how do we how do we stop the bleeding here? How do we how do we put an end to this trend that I the Pew Research Center is showing us with uh, the millennials attitude toward family, where every generation is less and less 
participating in a family, a normal family structure. And the breakdown, it bleeds off into all aspects of society and culture, including our church. Why do you think when you, we do eventually get back to regular, normal celebration of liturgy, why do you think the pews are empty? Why do you think millennials are not coming to church? Why do you think those that come after them will not be coming to church? Because there has been an, and is ongoing an enormous breakdown. You know, if you, you can't pass on to your children what you yourself have not been given. And sadly, you know, I think we see that gradually, little by little, that the faith is not being passed on. And because of that, if there's not a faith-based structure in the family, there's less of a chance being uh, held together. I do believe that. I, I know. I, I look at my own my own parents. They were married 62 years when my when my mom uh, passed away, and there were times. And I you observe. We all probably have observed as kids. We've seen, we've seen our parents fight, <laughs> you know? and uh, but it would never even enter their mind to end a marriage. You're in it, and you're in it for life. That's the greatest generation. There were divorces, but it was very, very unusual. Very, even when I was growing up, it was very unusual to have a friend whose parents were divorced. Very unusual. But today, where 50% of the marriages end in divorce, it's, 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 it's getting you know more and more prevalent. And that breakdown has a enormous adverse effect on the culture as St. Pope John Paul said. Okay. I'm going to go. I hope you have a great rest of your day, my friends. Uh, enjoy it. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing, Thursday, Catechism Day. Thank you for being a part of my day, and I pray you have a blessed rest of yours. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you.